Our reading for this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nana. So we want to share briefly from God's word this morning, relying on God's love. Next week, we will begin our series on the life of uh, Jacob. So please do get ready for that. That will be, uh, it's going to be a great series. But today, as we look into the new year, we want to think about what does it mean to rely on God's love, to know God. you know, this idea of love is something that we may toss around, uh, falling in love, thinking about love, thinking about who you love, places you love. We kind of throw this word around uh, sort of loosely here. But there is a love that is overarching all loves. And without this love, there can't be any love. Because as the scriptures say, God is love. So we want to take a moment now to, to look at this passage from First John chapter 4. And the backdrop of this letter is the, uh, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' uh, disciples, the one that is commonly called the beloved disciple. He's writing to Christians, to people who have believed in Christ, uh, the risen Lord. And there are some people who are cutting in on their faith, who are telling them they need to believe something else, uh, that Jesus really didn't. He really wasn't raised from the dead bodily. So he writes this letter 
to give assurance. He writes this letter so that they will know the truth about what God has said and what he means for them and, and how he means for them to live. And so there are some indeed some antichrists, some people that don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ that are pushing against these words that the apostle uh, taught them from the beginning. So this is a general, was a general letter that was circulating throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And so it was to refresh the believers' hearts then, and I think it will refresh our hearts here today. But as we get started here, let's start with a word of prayer. Jesus, thank you for being with us today. We pray that you will come and land upon our hearts, changing them, deepening our love as we talk about love from God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you, Father, that you would give us our footing, for you are our true foundation here today. That you, O oh God, would, would lead by your word, by the power of your spirit, whom we will talk about. And so come, Lord Jesus, uh, as the old saints used to pray, have your way with us. Do your will with us. Capture our hearts that they may be in your hands, in which they are. So help us to know for sure and give us a fresh assurance that we are in you, those who have named the name of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about this passage here, um, it reminded me of something I read in the news lately about Jay. Jay was a gentleman uh, who was a mechanic in a city in a, a town, a small town in New York City, in New York. And so Jay, on this blizzard uh, morning or, or evening, he went out to get his friend who was trapped in the snowstorm. And this was earlier in, in uh, mid mid-December. And so Jay goes out to look for his friend, and he noticed he has a quarter tank of gas left in his car. And the conditions of this blizzard really were deadly, and some people did lose their lives. As he was out there, he began to battle with the snow, of course, battle with the cold weather. Uh, he began to know that his body wasn't going to be able to endure being out in the cold. And so he was trying to preserved the gas that was in his truck, the truck that was being sort of like buried in snow. And so he began to go around and knock on people's doors. Will you let me in? Can I stay with you tonight? Can I stay here tonight? And at every house, he got turned away. And so what was he going to do? Where was he going to go? So being cold and, and almost immobile, he went back to his truck. And he stayed in his truck as long as he could. He took a nap there. And then there was a knock on his window, someone else trapped in the snowstorm. And they wanted to seek help and, and get out of the snowstorm as well. And he noticed that his quarter tank went to E. He was, his, he had, it was out of gas at this point. But she had more gas than him, so he went and piled into her van. And another person went and piled into her van. And, and then, you know, her car ran, you know, all night, basically, and then they found themselves trapped in a snowstorm, and then someone had to use the bathroom. And so they were like, okay, what are we going to do? And then he noticed on his GPS of his phone that there was a nearby school, and he decided, he made a decision. In order to save our lives, in order to <laughs> go and, and relieve ourselves, 
because there's warmth in the bathrooms, we're going to go and break into this school. And that's what he did. Went and broke into the school, and then they found the relief from the storm, the shelter from the storm that they needed. But, you know, being in this situation, they were gripped with fear because they didn't know if their lives were going to be with them in the morning. They did not know whether or not they were going to survive this deadly storm. And this storm is, is such a picture of life, isn't it? We live in a hostile world. We live in a world that's not only broken, but it has blizzard-like conditions in our circumstances, in our relationships. And sometimes we don't know if we want, we're going to have enough to endure the storms of life. And so there's, there's that fear that, that sets in for us. There's the wondering of who is going to be there to save me? Who's going to be there to rescue me? Will there be a love for me out there to save me? Well, God answers that question here today. God tells us plainly from this scripture here that he is indeed love. Now, it doesn't work the other way around uh, that like we may think. You know, I thought about this long ago. I was like, wait, if God is love, that means love is God. Well, it doesn't work that way. God is explaining that he is love, the originator of love, but it doesn't work the other way around because God can't be defined by anyone except God. Love is one of his attributes that goes before every single attribute that he has. When we think about his holiness, when we think about his sovereignty, we can put love on the front of every single attribute of God, even his wrath. (laughs) because God acts out of his sheer love. And I think that's what he's communicating this to us through the Apostle John, because we need to know what true love is, true biblical love. It's not the type of love that we think uh, it's, it's the love that, well, if I do something for you, you do something for me, that's love. It's not the type of love that's sort of short-sighted where we're not thought for. It's not the type of love where we just sort of accidentally fall into it, falling in love. I fell in love with someone or with something. No, that's not the type of love that is being pictured here. But the type of love that God has us is indeed a love that can be known and a love that can be relied on. So we can know uh, God's love. And this love is known through him because God visits upon our hearts. He comes to us. He doesn't leave us in the dark about the knowledge of his love for us. How do we know God's love? Well, he tells us here in the first couple of verses that we are to follow the exhortation to love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. I love the way that the apostle begins, beloved. You know, just that word alone rings affection. Dear one, dear friends, you know, you feel the closeness. He is wrapping his arms around them and bringing them, beloved, let us. John includes himself. 
he doesn't just command, hey, you go and love. He said, no, let us. I'm in this too. It's the, these are the words of a shepherd, the shepherding the hearts of the people. Let us love one another. You know, let's come in close together from the shelter of the storm. Let us come together and warm each other with the love from God. Because this is the love that is from God himself. There's no other love like this. This is what is called, the, the Greek word is agape. This is God's affectionate love for his people. This, this is written to the people of God. Because whoever, as this text says, whoever loves has been born of God. Now, what does this mean? Whoever loves has been born of God. I mean, I've been born into the world. My mom conceived me and gave birth to me long ago. What does this mean? That whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, John is talking about being born again, meaning one who has confessed Christ, who has a regenerated heart, who, who has uh, come into the saving love and saving grace of God, the one who has indeed confessed that Jesus is real, the one who is born of the spirit, whose spirit the Lord has put in his heart. This is what it means to be born of God. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, whoa, this is, this is beyond me. Because being born of God is to be like Jesus. Jesus was born of God, the only begotten son. Now, we're, we're, we're not Jesus. We're in him. But in order for us to be alive by the spirit, we have to be born by the spirit. This makes us sons and daughters of God. This makes us one with Christ. There's a unity here. And see, with this love, being born with the spirit of our heavenly father, we know him. We know when he speaks to us. We know his ways. Even when we don't follow them, we know him. We know how he walks, what he looks like. And I... You know, there are times when we're out and about, maybe this has happened to you, where you see someone. I talk to Crystal about this all the time. I was like, that person looks like they could be a believer. That person is carrying themselves as if they know God. I wonder if they do. And sometimes when, I, when we meet people out and about and find out they do have a testimony that they know God as their father. And Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know him. You know his word. But see, the, the, the opposite is this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. This is like the signature mark of a believer. Your relationship with God, your relationship of love with him. Anyone who does not love does not know God. What is this love, though? What? What is this love that is being talked about here? This, this is the type of love that invites us to live our lives through Jesus. This is the love, verses 9 here. In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was revealed. It was made known among us. What, how was it made known among us? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 
This is the love that is being referred to. Why do we need this love? Well, it's because, friends, that we were people that were chosen in God before the foundation of the world. We were chosen in his love. That was a time for us, time, eternity for God, where we were thought of, where we were going to come into existence one day. And God in love chose us. He elected us. He said, they're going to be my sons and daughters. They're at Grace Marini Hill. That one there is going to be mine. I'm going to love him with my everlasting love now. But see, when you're born from your mother into the world, you're born into sin. And that's because of Adam. Born into sin. So what will God do about it? Well, he will make his love manifest through Jesus. He will send his one and only son. So in eternity, there had to be a conversation, right, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit about their great plan on how they would satisfy the redemption of mankind, born under sin, born under the law, not able to have a relationship with God based on where they stand, but only through Jesus. So he decided, I'm going to send my son into the world. And Jesus is going to come so that they may have life through him. How does this happen? Verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And there it is, the propitiation of our sins. As we were born into the world, born marred with sin, born in corruption as a people of God, we deserve God's eternal judgment. We deserve his wrath. We did not deserve his favor because sin is a direct offense against the holy God. And the penalty for that is eternal punishment, wrath of God. His loving wrath because God has to be just and he is just. And so he put mankind on the judgment. But see, through Jesus, we have the propitiation for our sin. And this propitiation through Jesus' death is, is Jesus satisfying the wrath of God on our behalf. It's Jesus taking the full breath of the wrath of God and turning that into the favor of God so that when God looks at us, he sees his loving son, daughter that's in Jesus. He sees the beloved one, the one that I've chosen, and now I have set, has been satisfied. The wrath of God has been satisfied, and they're in me forevermore. They receive my favor my grace, my mercy. They receive what we talked about earlier, my compassion, my mercy. Every morning. They know the sweetness of me as a father because I visit upon their hearts day in and day out. They know, my people know me because they know I'm their father who provides all that they have and all that they need. And they know, my people know by the power of the spirit that I will never let them go. This is a love that can never, ever, 
ever fail. And this is the love that you have if you're in Christ. This is the satisfaction of love, Christ himself. And so what does the apostle tell us to do? Well, we have to accept this means of love, but also we have to express this love. How do we do that? Well, he tells us here, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Check this out. No one has ever seen God, right? God is a spirit, does not have a body like men. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So here we have the grace of our Heavenly Father. Here we have the power to love one another. Here we have the desire to be in relationship with one another and with our, because we're in relationship with our Father. So be, based on what Christ has done, now we can go and do something that is only impossible with God, and that's to love another brother or sister. It can't happen. It won't happen in the way of God's love and the affection of his love, except through him. And so because we have this type of love as the beloved of God, we ought to love one another. And this is one of the hardest things for us, right? Because we are being perfected in love. We're growing in love. It hasn't, it, we're not complete yet. We are, we're on the journey of love together, and that's okay because we have the one who's holding us, who's taking us on this journey so, so that our joy is deepened. But along the way, we're going to step on somebody's toes. We're going to bump into somebody. Uh, we're going to shun some people, you know, as believers. That, you know, if, if you're here today and you're not a believer, uh, we don't have it all together. God is perfecting us. That's what he's doing. And he's teaching us how we ought to love one another. Not only give of our things, but give of our hearts. Not, not only making space out there somewhere, but making space in our lives, in, in our homes together for one another. Because see, what happened here in, uh, among the uh, believers in this time, the words were going out from the Antichrist, those that didn't believe in the body of resurrection, resurrection of Christ. And then there are some that were leaving the church. They were leaving based upon these, these false claims of these uh, false teachers. And so when someone leaves a place where you've had deep in the body and fellowship and they leave upset, well, it makes you want to just stay away from them, stand off from them. And not be involved in their lives. Well, John is writing them and telling them, but hey, look, if God loved us when we were sinners and didn't deserve his love, we ought to love one another, even those that have left us. Don't speak ill of them, but speak lovingly of them, praying for them. And this is one of the reasons I believe God has given us prayer. The chief reason is our relationship with him, right, and also our relationship with each other so that we can stand on in the gap for each other. 
Because God is saying, hey, look, the body of Christ is you. Christ is the head. You are the body. If you don't love one another, if you tear each other down, if you shun each other, how can the love be perfected? How can the love be built up? It is hard. It is difficult to seek understanding, to really wait on a brother and sister while they go through maybe maturing in the faith or not understanding what it means to be involved with the people of God. Sometimes we have to wait for each other. Sometimes we have to lead. And not everyone wants to be led. <laughs> Sometimes you're trying, to, you're trying to lead people and they're like, no, uh-uh, it's the best thing for you. I'm telling you. No, no, I don't want, no, don't lead me down that path. But that's where Christ is going. We have to go down that way. It's going to hurt too bad. Yes, he's able to give us comfort, though. Together, we're able to comfort one another down that path. It is hard. But see, when we lean into each other's lives, you know, when, as we lean into each other's lives in this new year, in our groups, uh, on Sunday mornings, and serving together, we're being perfected in love. When it becomes hard with, with, and we're suffering to, to an extent, we're being perfected in love. Why? Because the motivation of our heart, the compelling nature, is the love of Christ. Not so that I can be all pretty and delightful and, and great. No. It's so that we together can give testament to the God we love, to the one who has loved us. And so when we go through the struggle and the hardship, we're being perfected together as we stand together, friends. So this is the love that we are to know. Biblical love is accompanied by emotions, but it's not led by emotions. It's, a, it's led by the will, and it acts on behalf of those of love. So we need to know this love. And secondly, we need to rely on the love of God. We need to rely on God's love. How do we do this? Verse 15 here. Well, we need to keep our confession sure. We need to confess Jesus every chance we get. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God and abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This begins, this reliance upon God's love begins with our confession of who Christ is in our lives. And that we are linked and united and, and we are to abide in him. And this abiding is believing in him and what he has done for us. I mean, John is, is, is saying, he, he's exhorting us, abide, abide, abide. Hold on to your testimony. Hold on to what you believe when you first believe. Come back to repentance and trust. Abide, abide, abide. Don't be ashamed, but receive the favor that God has given you. Abide, abide. Come back to him. When, when times get rough and you hear things you don't want to hear, 
Don't let your anger win the day. Abide in him. Think upon Christ. Come to him. Pray to him. Abide. Abide in, in him. Confess him anew. Think about new ways of confessing. Read the Psalms. Confessing your sins. Confessing your need for Jesus. Abide in him. Listening to the words of the Lord. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. How do we know the commands of God? We know the commands of God by reading the commands of God, the ones that he's given us in Scripture. So this will be a great time to begin a, a, a year daily reading of Scripture, you know, your daily reading plan and reading God's word, asking God to open your eyes to his truth, what he says about himself so that we can abide in Jesus. And when God tells us to do something that is hard for us to do, we can ask for help. God, help me because I can't. I don't want to sometimes. But you say you will be my help, and you have promised me something better, the very pleasures of God if I abide. You know, another truth about abiding in Christ, here, here it is. We can't be apart from him. It's too late. We can't be apart from Christ. We, we are in him. We have confessed him. He knows us. We know him. He's not going to let us go. So the thing that Christ is calling us to do, well, he's gone before us. The thing that we don't want to do when we are supposed to do it, guess what? He's died for it. So we are in him. And he is calling us to abide. And John, you know, he, he's using some of the same language over and over again, exhorting their hearts, because this is crucial for them, that their testament, that their testimony of Christ not be taken from them, so that they're not robbed in their minds by the false teacher and the antichrist, and believe in everything else that they're teaching that's opposite of what God says. And so he is telling them, Exhorting them to abide, relying on this great love. And he promises here, verse 17, by this love, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. That's what I was talking about just a minute ago. We are with him. We are in him. And even... You know, I was thinking about this. The day of judgment, it seems so far away. <laughs> the day of judgment, coming before Christ, right? Coming before him, we're going to be conscious. We're going to see and know fully. It's not going to be blurry anymore. On this day, coming before him, it's going to be fully known, fully known, fully celebrated for those that are in him, fully known all the things that we have done, that it is true we have fallen short, that it is true he saved us by his grace. But see, we need this confidence for the day of judgment because we need this confidence to live by because judgment is coming. We don't have to fear judgment because guess what? We give our testimony every single day. God, you're gracious. I believe when we follow Christ, when we rely on him in our lives. We don't have to have the fear of judgment. 
but we can be confident. Because as Christ was in the world, we are in the world. As Christ was born, conceived by the Spirit, we're conceived by the Spirit. As we're learning to walk in love, Christ had to learn that as well. But he was perfect. He was our perfection. And so when we mess up, he's our perfection. We go back to him, relying on him. And this, and this is why John comes here in verse 18 and tells us, look, there's no fear in love. And this fear plagues us, doesn't it? Anxiety. We, we, we need it, but it comes in abundance at times, and it cripples us at times. It traps us up in fear in our circumstances, in our relationships, and it just feels so debilitating. You know, it's like having a nightmare, and you can't wake up, and you want to wake up. You see yourself sleeping, and you want to wake up, and you can't. It feels so debilitating. You can't move. You're stuck in the storm of the nightmare. And what else could we do? Nothing. You're, you're there. And so Christ is inviting us through this passage to, hey, there's no fear in love. Because I have loved you, I am with you. There are times that you only need to be still and know that I am God, that what I say is sure. There's an assurance with it. It is true. I'm with you. And this is the perfect love that casts out fear. Because this love that God has given us is an action. It's not just a, it's not a feeling. It's an action. It, it's not just speaking the words. It's speaking the truth of the word, but it's giving you movement. It's an action. And that action is to believe first and then move out on the things that God has given us to do. Perfect love casts out fear, casts out the anxiety. Because fear has to do with punishment the judgment of God, in which we're not under any longer for those who are in Christ. The, the wrath has been satisfied because whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And as we've seen, you know, in the past year, there have been many fallen heroes, maybe some in your family. Many people have fallen that have been in the limelight. And, you know, there's a reflection of who passed away this past year. You know, and and so when we think about that, we're thinking about the end of life. Like, you know, tomorrow's not promised, but when you are older, you begin to think about these things a little more, and that's okay, right? Because even that, I believe that God can bring us to the place of being assured of us being in him of us being perfected in love, being brought back to this love, because he says here, we love because he first loved us. So this is the evidence of his love in our lives, that we love one another. And then John ends with this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother from whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 
So he brings us full circle, doesn't he? He's telling us, hey, know God's love and rely on God's love in such a way that you will know that you are first loved by God and not the other way around. We don't appease God. We don't have to do something to win his love for us. That's already been taken care of. But what is lacking is love for one another. Being like Christ loved. Christ said this in John 13, you know, as I have loved you, love one another. By this, all men would know that you are my learners, my disciples, if you love one another. Why is this important? It's important because there are other brothers and sisters that the Lord is saving in this world today. There are other children being brought up in households in the life of our church that God is going to put his salvific love upon. So our loving of one another is important because God wants us to be a community of love, that we will build up in love and grow in love and be a beacon, a light in the world. And so when we give testament to what Christ has done, to who we are in him, to, to what we know to be true of him and how we're relying upon him day by day, we're knowing the love of God. And we are knowing the love of one to another. So, friends, let's live into this love this year. Let's go for it. Let's live for Christ in a way that we've, like we've never lived for him before because of his grace. Let's not give up on each other. But let's be in each other's lives. Let's, let's you know, heap on the encouragement this year. Let's encourage each other. Let's, let, let's call each other more often. Let's hang out together more often. Let's do things in our community. Some of you guys are like, well, I already got my schedule planned. I don't know if I have room for anything else. <laughs> Let's pump some love in that. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your abiding word, that you bring this word to us, and it is true. You will never let us go. We thank you for the assurance of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a few.